You're listening to an iFanboy Booksplode, Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Strikes Again. Hey everybody, you're listening to iFanboy's Booksplode, the monthly or so podcast where we talk about one book for a long time. You're putting a timestamp on it. My name is Paul Montgomery, um, and joining me, uh, Mr. Josh Flanagan. Hello, everyone. And for the first time ever on an iFanboy podcast, except for we think a voicemail, Jeff doesn't Reed count. doesn't count. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Um, Jeff, if, you, if you're not familiar with him, uh, does the DC Histories feature on the website, which I would never want to do, but think is a fantastic resource. <laughs> I feel exactly the same way. It's amazing the amount of research he does and the amount of time he spends on eBay looking for old runs of things. And I actually get to, I mean, we all get to reap the benefit of that. Those 14 issues of Gunfire I just bought are going to be worth something someday. I'm going to keep them in pristine shape. They're never going to go out of the mylar, and they'll be worth a lot of money someday. You, you just watch. And you check those out on Wednesdays. And uh, we are going to be borrowing some of Jeff's knowledge in our conversation this evening about The Dark Knight Strikes Again, which is a sequel to The Dark Knight Returns. It is by Frank Miller and Lynn Varney. Is that right? The colorist? Varley? Varley. Varley. Sorry, I apologize. Lynn Varley is the colorist. Otherwise, this is all Frank Miller's jam. And Josh recommended this book, um, which I which I had never. Well, no, no, no. Okay, just let's I just dial want, that back. I recommended this as a good discussion piece. That's not the same thing as I recommended the book. Okay, that's all right. You, but you, I meant you. Re, I meant you recommended the book as a possible topic on on Booksplode because so I am told it might be it might be divisive. Um, Possible. That's what I'm led to believe. So I heard some. There were some interesting things said in email earlier. So well, let's let's get into it. This is this book came out uh, between 2001 and 2002, um, which was during the Nexus period where I was not reading comics. Um, or was just reading things that I found at Barnes and Noble. Um, not really reading single issues. Um, Jeff, were you reading comics at this point? Uh, not heavily. I okay. was in my undergraduate career at that point. Um, and actually, I did find the first issue of this at Barnes and Noble. And I remember I bought it um, a little hesitantly. It was eight dollars, which was a lot of money uh, back then. Um, and I remember reading it, being very disappointed and never trying to find the next two issues until uh, this last week <laughs> when I finally read them all. And, and, and just, just to take it a little further back, this is, of course is the sequel, as you said, to Dark Knight Returns. Uh, as seminal a modern work of, of comic book fiction as exists, probably second only to Watchmen uh, for the decade of the 80s and, and, and the sort of format for almost all of the superhero comics other than sort of diversions that followed after. I'm ready to say this makes Dark Knight Returns look like a masterpiece. <laughs> You're already there. <laughs> I'm already there. Wow, so that's what we're doing. So I was going to go a little I was going to go a little further into into some history. Well, okay. I guess in terms of of uh, where we're coming from, I think a little bit because I I think that this is I think that this is interesting because what what I think what we have with Paul is and you already gave up the goat, so it's it's fine, but I think what we have with you is you're a guy who I wouldn't call you a traditionalist in terms of comic books or superhero comic books, except for the thematic of it. Except for when I am. <laughs> yeah, it's, I was kind of like you know, I know you're, where you're coming from. Yeah, 
like you like the idea of a traditional classic superhero thing, and I think you like the themes behind it, but you're not the one to say, oh, listen, this is what I think a superhero comic should be. You like, you're fine with an experimentation. Yeah, too. yeah. Now, Jeff, I, I don't know you. So, uh, <laughs> I, but what I do know is that you definitely uh, have a, a, a thing for the history of these characters, especially DC. Um, and I assume that because you are somewhat grounded in, I guess, the traditionalism of it, the, the background that this would then have been when you first read it, for example, a bit of a shock to the system. Yes, I would say that. Yeah, um, I definitely uh, enjoy um, the histories. I like seeing how characters change over time. Uh, I like seeing uh, what influences uh, certain trajectories the characters have been on, what started that. Um, and uh, this really came out of left field for me when I was trying to read it the first time. Um, See, that's yeah, interesting it, to me. Yeah. Now, now I, I should go back now. I when I read it, I read it when it came out. I bought all three of them. Uh, I was hesitant, but I was I was not not against it, and I really I didn't like it. You were in your mid thirties at this point. I was, I was I was a junior in high school. I, I just out. turned fifty. I just okay. like I just started thinking about how I was going to deal with social security as a regular part of my life. No, um, this was uh, it was a thing that came out, and and I thought I knew comics at the time. Um, but I don't think I did. And I think that since then, uh, I've read this one other time since then. I read it in the middle, and, it, and it, it's, it struck me a lot better the second time. I didn't love it. It wasn't like, that was great, but it wasn't as bad as I remembered it or as everybody says it is. And now having just read it again today, uh, I read it all the way through uh, without stopping. I really liked it a lot. <laughs> you read this three times. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the right away, I mean, the first thing that uh, the very first thing that people said about it was that it was it was a lot uglier than the first one. OK, uh, which is subjective. And I think that we can get this part out of the way soon. Uh, yeah. OK. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it is the worst coloring of any comic book I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of other things. Uh, unless like unless you count like a 3D comic where yeah. it's, everything's blue and red. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and really, that is also exists on the curve of that. The first Dark Knight Returns uh-huh. is gorgeous. The coloring is wonderful. Uh, Lynn Varley, uh, who was with quote unquote uh, Frank Miller at the time, as I believe, had just done it in I don't I don't know in what, but it sort of had a, a watercolor feel. It was uh, sort of pre digital coloring, really nice. Uh, just the whole thing's great. I always tend to think of it as one of my examples of one of my favorite looking comic books. The the new one, basically, uh, she had been schooled real real quick, like on digital coloring techniques, which were still relatively new at the time. Uh, and she did this to it. <laughs> yeah, which, which there's was... some uh, there's some gradients in there. Some interesting things <laughs> with textures. It's um... like if my son got a hold of Photoshop. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like when yeah, when I would have been taking computer classes back in elementary school and and like we could do sort of whatever we wanted and then like print it out on the crazy paper and Let us put purple and green behind this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it wouldn't be a problem I feel if there were more backgrounds in any of the art to kind of ground it more when all we have behind the main figures is the crazy colors. Like that is all that's behind them for for many pages. In well, issue 3 um they come up with some kind of interesting, I would call them textures, um, where they're not, it doesn't feel like, like gradients, like it doesn't feel like an episode of reboot for 
uh, an extended period of time. And I was like, well, that's kind of interesting, but maybe that was because it was coming off of several pages of, <laughs> it, of some very ugly. Uh, it got better, but yeah, not good. Better that, is a, it, I mean, it is a relative term. Um, okay, so let's just, let's just chalk that up as a, as a, as an executional failure. Okay. I think, I don't think anybody out there is going to try to defend the coloring on this. Right. Is that, are we, are we agreed? Uh, I would think so. Okay. Yeah. Now let's, let's move on to the art. Right. Um, now as I went through this, this time I saw a lot more, obviously it's a lot more impressionistic when, you know, relatively speaking, Dark Knight Returns was fairly, uh, you know, not photorealistic, but at this point Miller was really into sort of bolder shapes and, and less lines and, um, but I, I actually really like I, I can see Frank Miller in this stuff a lot. And I saw what he was evolving into. He'd just come off of um, that last Sin City story to Helen back, which wasn't great. Um, and yeah, and, this look, and, this does look like that. Yeah. And, and I there's something to it I really like. And I, it reminded me that at one time, had he not gone insane and had he not necessarily done this book, we really did consider Frank Miller to be among, you know, he was among the Mount Rushmore. Right. Mm-hmm. And well, I see it in this. I I see it in the Dark Knight Returns. Um, I don't know. Okay, what what do you what do you see? I think that he's hearkening back a lot to a, a sort of a, an older style with a sort of bigger and bolder kinds of images, and he's not an older style so. in terms of his style, or no, in I terms just think of a more rudimentary comic book style of comic books. Okay, I think I think if you look a lot of his sort of poses and a lot of his like the way that the that the bodies are are aligned there's a lot of sort of classic stuff in there uh and and it's it's like i said it's very uh it's it's very unique to him it's very uh i want to say impressionistic but that's not really the word i'm looking for but it's very evocative it's it's melodramatic uh it just it's like it's like Sin City was was ramped up to above realistic. You know what? You know what I'm seeing. Okay, I'm, I'm flipping through some pages here, and I'm looking at I'm looking at Superman and, and Lara looking at the Earth um, from outer space, and I'm look and I'm looking at Superman embracing Wonder Woman um, a lot, um, <laughs> yeah. um, in, in 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 big ways. Um, and it reminds me, I'm I'm in Philadelphia. We have we have a Rodan uh, museum, and not the kaiju. Um, pterodactyl that fights godzilla sometimes the guy who did the thinker yeah yeah like those statues He's my favorite sculptor okay uh i don't know if i have a favorite sculptor but but like with with i don't know many right so <laughs> so with but i think if if you if you think about the thinker and you think about just the the size and the just like Frank Miller's characters in these books, and, and and in this one, you you really sort of notice it. It's like when we talk about like a puppy with like big paws, like oh he's gonna be a big dog, like like Superman's got big paws. Yeah. Um. And and it there's a lot of. I don't know. There's 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 a lot of girth to him. I don't know. And and it and you would feel like the characters would be clumsy because they're so big and. That comes into play in, in in Dark Knight Returns in the original. With this, there's they're a little more uh, uh, life. They're um, they're a little bit more. There's a little bit more dynamism going on, and especially when you get to things like the fight between Plastic Man and um, Elongated Man. Um, and um, 
the the word I found when I was looking through this was I felt like um, everyone was uh, like grotesques, like they're the most extreme version of the thing they are trying to convey. So um, the women are super feminine, uh, and when someone gets beat up, they get super beat up. Uh, and Lex Luthor was this really fat, ugly He's old corpulent. man. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, it's like, like everyone his... was at their their most like grotesque in in um. In in the extreme that they were presented in, Um, and uh, then that style doesn't always work for me personally. So, but uh, but that was the word I kept coming back to as I was reading through it again. I Um, used to really agree with that, and in that way, that when I read it this time, I found that very fitting Uh, Mm. because it feels like at the same time it was the death of a dream and a birth of a dream. This book, it's it's like clinging on to the things that. There's obviously there's a, there is a lot of affection for these DC characters, but there's also sort of acknowledgement of of having moved on to a certain extent. And of, I think of that is having moved on. Of Frank Miller, I think right. I think the image like like what he's saying, he's taking. We're not allowed to take these characters. We, we this is a theme we come back to all the time. We're never allowed to take these characters to a logical extension to any 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 big you know extent. Right. And uh, recently, like if we look in a thing like uh, like Joe Casey's sex book. That's a logical extension kind of thing. And this, and this book is another one as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, it's like, well, really, what, what would happen with this? And this is one sort of way to look at that. And I think that's where that, that grotesquery really works in its favor uh, is, is that it just it, – it should make you feel a little differently than you historically have, which I think is what rubbed a lot of people wrong. Is that you know this shouldn't be like this? You say it's like it's sort of like hard truths kind of thing. Like if you if you really if you really apply logic to something, at least like, at least one at least one possible future. Mm-hmm. So you know if, if you if you apply logic to someone like like Superman, like even to some, something simple like ending up with with Wonder Woman and and having a mm-hmm. child with Wonder Woman because he can't logically have a child with with Lois I, or anyone else. And well, I um, think that. And, and again, we were starting to sort of talk about it in the visual sense, but we can move into it yeah. a little more. Is that, yeah, I mean, like, there's the thing about this Superman is that there's such a profound sense of sadness about him right. and defeat about him. And, and the whole point about Superman is he's not his powers. You know, he's the lonely guy, he's the alien. And, and what Miller is saying that eventually that got to him. Mm-hmm. And, and if you look at the end of this, he's, he's, He's then he said, "Fine, I'm I'm the alien, and you know what? I'm better than you." Mm. Um, there's a there's a Mark Wade quote floating around the past few days. I don't know if it was the Facebook. Yeah, I don't know if that was like a recent thing or that was dug out from the archives. But basically, talking about this would go against that where uh, Wade was saying that you know Superman is is lonely and is sad, but he does not. That does not manifest in Superman. That's manifesting Clark. Superman is he he flies you know in spite of all those things you know and he doesn't he doesn't allow us to to see that part of him or he doesn't you know well, let that weigh him down and, I believe that works in the case of the ongoing comics which don't change but if you were just sure. if you were to play it out a little I I mean as 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 a Superman guy even more so than a Batman guy um this I mean this and Dark Knight Returns has always kind of rubbed me a little bit wrong and part of that is very subjective that um I just don't like seeing my guy like this. Yeah, I find that really interesting because I am I am I, there's a big part of me that has a 
I mean, there's an anti-authoritarianism in me. And the idea that somebody can take out Superman, mm-hmm. I, that it's this, and it's this normal guy who's just really smart, I always find very appealing. And, and the scene at the beginning where Superman goes you know, into the cave and they just, they just take him out entirely, I, I love that scene. Like I'm, a, I was a huge fan of it, and I, and I, and you know, that's not the Superman that you know. Again, this is not, this isn't, I, you know, if I was reading this in Superman or in like the current Justice League, I'd be like, oh, that's all wrong. But it's not that, right? And this, this, I mean, one of the other things that I noticed reading this for the for the first time um, was that this feels a lot to me. It's 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 a Justice League story, um, and or a DC Universe story um, to an extent. Um, but then I realized, you know, and, and and it comes back to Batman like in a really big way in the in the third issue, um, in the in the in the wrap up in the finale and that that final battle with with Robin. Spoiler alert! Sorry. Um, but <laughs> we should have said that at the beginning. Yeah, but uh, but but you know, but the it came out in two thousand one, so whatever. But the but the other thing is that it is a Justice League story, but I can understand. Uh, you know, aside from the fact that it's it is a direct sequel and it's continuing on on stuff from Dark Knight Returns, which feels like a Batman story, um, this is also a Justice League story from the point of view of Batman, where Batman is the good guy. There are other Justice League stories where Batman isn't the good guy, where Superman yes. is the good guy, and I mean, even if you if you look at you know Kingdom Come or something like that, where it's that you, that you don't come to that at Batman's point of view. Yeah. Um he's the other. And so th- so this this is a story where it's it's about the whole DC universe and it's very much from the point of view of Batman and his very kind of radical ideas and becoming more and more aggressive and opening to killing people. I think it's interesting you mentioned the um fact that this is um uh, more of a DCU book. I, I noticed that looking back, I actually just recently rewatched the Dark Knight Returns movies. Uh, actually, not rewatched. I watched it the first time, um, and it reminded me just how stuck in the time period the Dark Knight Returns was. Uh, obviously, with Reagan involved and uh, other elements that made it feel very much of its time. Dark Knight Strikes Again does not feel that way to me. At least, it didn't feel like oh, this is 2001. It felt like it was just. Frank Miller's reaction to Batman at the uh, currently at, at in that moment maybe when he wrote this, um, it felt a little more out of place that way. It, that didn't have uh, the connection to the real world that the first one had. It was totally just Frank Miller's I, treatise on the DCU and I his have thoughts to on it. Just a little bit because there are scenes when Metropolis is destroyed that are very evocative of 9/11, and I had to double check mm. the sort of timing of when this came out. There's a scene where uh, is it Kara? The daughter? Yes. Lara? Cara? Lara. Yeah. Uh, they're flying away and there's a big smoke cloud at the one end of sort of the metropolis. And I was like, oh. And there's another one where it's like uh, very reminiscent of those two sort of beams that were still sort of standing mm-hmm. in, a, in a couple of places. So I actually, I actually felt that a lot, hmm. at least in terms of, of the setting. Uh, and then there, was, there were shots of, as they were going through it later, I'm not trying to pick you apart. But as they were going through it later, um, they had a bunch of presidential spokesmen, and they were literally drawn after the real people. So there's like Scooter Libby is one of them, and uh, um, uh, uh, Rumsfeld was one of them, and like they oh, were yeah, yeah, very right. clearly oh, yeah. Yeah. those people. So that I mean that instantly put me in a time and place, which I didn't mind. You know, it's 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 I mean just like dark, it fits thematically with Dark Knight Returns. Um, but I guess I guess the rest of it definitely sort of puts you in a future tense. 
sort of that one part that was very 9-11-y was the only place I felt that. But that's sort of all I came away from. I'll it. be obvious. I'll, I'll, I'll throw in with Jeff that I, I like, I, I, I guess those things slipped past me. And I, so after I'd read well, you it, were, you were a zygote. At that <laughs> and I was, I was looking at it. I, I was, I was shocked to see that it was so recent, even though it's like, you know, 10 years oh, really? ago. So I, I thought it would have been, you know, and, and the other thing, I mean, it being a sequel to the dark Knight returns, I don't know in my head, I just thought that it wasn't that long afterwards, mm-hmm. but um, I don't three know. years was how, how when this started after that. Just okay. Oh, well, yeah, it took place three years later, but it was written right. like fifteen yeah. years. Later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. Um. Well, let's talk a little about um. One of the things that I noticed as I was reading through this is that I uh, I think I mentioned this before, but I I was a lot. I, I know a lot more about the DC universe now for whatever reason. I think I just read a lot more history, and I've I've. Well, I've you've, gotten, been re- you've, you've been reading my 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 feature, so yeah. Thank that's you. well. That's what it is. Um, I, there, it's funny because the first time I think a lot of stuff went over my head, like I knew who the characters were, but I didn't really know anything about them. Whereas this time there's literally not a character in here that I didn't know, you know, like when, when, you know, the, the Joker shoots the, the guardian, I was like, Oh, it's the guardian or, uh, you know, you know, at the time, like I, I knew about elongated man, but I didn't really know anything about him, you know, but now he was in here and he was in direct contrast with Elo O'Brien. Um, and and I, Plastic Man for those of you, who, um, and and I I actually found that I really liked it before. I think I, I liked that part because I found that his characterizations, or at least his, uh, I'll, I don't want to use logical extension, but the sort of the road that he took those characters down uh, seemed appropriate, and they they seemed true to form of a certain kind of those characters, at least from a, from a certain point in history. There's uh, I mean, their history. There's some. I mean, there's some really cool ideas in here yes and like from the beginning and like in the beginning i'm like what the hell like who is this character who's fighting this weird giant fish like what is is this like is did bruce did, did bruce end up that far beneath the earth when he went and decided to live in a cave and like i don't know if i was supposed to think that um i, I but, think you were i mean it was like they put a beard on him and you right and then i was like but like he doesn't look old enough to be you know bruce had white hair and everything and, and then like i get to the point where like oh it's it's the atom and he's really small and that's like a tiny little microscopic creature and i was like that's kind of a neat idea and like so at the beginning i was like what the hell is this and then when they reveal what it was i was like oh that's that's kind of a neat idea and even though it's kind of like all over the place and a little bit difficult to to read at times um it's there's there's some really neat ideas in there and there's some the, like the the whole I, the flash you know, the, yeah the idea of the flash being this really sad kind of thing and and they played a little bit with that in flashpoint not not with the flash himself but mm-hmm. I, like there's there's shades of that with um superman's depiction um from flashpoint um yeah yeah. Recently, but um, having having him power what was it a third of of America? Yeah. Um, for free and like no one ever bothered to ask, you know, what was generating this power and that um, would happen by the way, and if he, they could. It was, but then again, but then with the the storytelling mode that he's employing here, it I felt like as as interesting as that was when they explained it, he's like jumps right back in and he's just the Flash now in a new costume and there's not like. It doesn't feel like there's a period of him healing, or it's but I just think right that's supposed to be the thing about the heroes. Okay, like you know, the, well, this that is the resilience. world, and basically, well, he is, and then and Batman was like, "Great, you're out," and this is what Batman would do. He would say, "Great, you're out. Let's get to work." 
he would do that. There's no re- there's no catching up after your vacation, quote unquote. Mm. And, and, and Barry would either say yes or no, and he said yes, basically. That's the way that I looked at it. Wouldn't Barry worry a little more about Iris? The reason he was agreeing to uh, run the run the gauntlet was um, to protect Iris. I believe that was the story point. They said they said don't worry about her. We've got her, and that's, I think that okay. was enough for us to not have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> okay, not, yeah, not and, you and, me, and that's and you know to be fair, that's the point where he kind of perks up and it's like, oh, okay, so that's yeah. right. That's as as long as she's accounted for, you know, I'm in. Give me my ring with my jumpsuit in it. And uh, wait, why did you redesign my costume? What's going on here? Yeah. Um, um I lo- I mean, to this is to this day. Whenever I read, um, whenever I read Green Arrow, I think, God, I wish he was that guy from Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> and then this one too. This like flaming liberal, and the fact like he that he's on TV arguing with with. And Rand is not right wing enough. Vic Sage, the question is wonderful. And, you know, when I read this, you know, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have gotten that. I wouldn't have understood that at all. Or right. if I did, it's kind of what I go. Now I really enjoyed that. Uh, things, I, those are great. And then the other thing of, that was, that was, that I really loved in this. Um, I loved the characterization of Plastic Man uh, as the most powerful character of, of all of them. Uh, and just sort of that that menace about him, and that he's there's insane. a bit of there's sort of a Mary Sueness about this where they like it's sort of like it, it, it there's a sense of like even though Frank Miller is very much you know he he's a mainstay and and has created amazing things and and cemented himself like there's an extent to which it feels like if I could play around with the DC universe this is what I would do like th- there's something there's there's something of that spirit with um you know, with the atom and how he's being used and, and like using the atom as the sort of solution for candor, um, putting those two items together. Um, and then, uh, just that, just, there's a, there's a sense of like, w- like fantasy fulfillment of like bringing these things forward to, and progressing the narrative in a way that we would never see, as you said, in the monthly ongoing book. Mm-hmm. So to have those um, developments with Superman and Wonder Woman, to have you know the the son of of Hawkman and Hawkgirl, um, which is you know because like the, they're <laughs> still playing with that in the DC universe. Like, are are we gonna do the on again, off again thing with Hawkman and Hawkgirl? And you know, this is okay. They get together, they have a kid, and he kills uh, Brainiac or Lex Luthor. Luthor, uh, Luthor, right? Luthor, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's that it's that thing that we we're never supposed to see it in the monthly ongoing book, and you get to do it here. I like I like that uh, a lot of creators seem to prefer Plastic Man over Elongated Man. If you um, remember back in Grant Morrison's JLA, I think there's a, a line when they're expanding the JLA, um, and they ask if they want to bring Ralph back, and Batman says it's Elongated Man, and Ralph says, uh, "Sorry, I mean uh, Batman says let's bring back Plastic Man. He's more versatile." Um, and then he joins the team and not elongated man. And then also in, uh, Joe Kelly, when he was on JLA, uh, made plastic man essentially immortal by having him live like thousands of years beneath the ocean, all into little pieces. And then he reformed in the modern day again. Um, so it's interesting. I feel that, you know, plastic man gets more (laughs) respect. Well, he's more (laughs) like, he's, he's, he's going to be more fun for a writer to have on the team. He's a loose cannon. Whereas, Ralph Dibney is dead now, but in essence, he's he's a, he's redundant when Batman's on the team. And this is totally like one of those things. That it's like it's like a Tarantino conversation. Like it's it's like in a Tarantino movie, they would be having an extended conversation of who is better, 
you know, elongated man or plastic man and why. And it's something that, you know, you don't get from the monthly books. And when, you know, like the, the fact is they, they've killed so many of them and gotten rid of so many. Like I've, I've, those JLE teams when plastic man is on them are better. Like, and I remember, I remember at the time reading those and I remember thinking that's kind of silly. And I remember hearing people go, well, he's silly, you know, but now I, I think I have a more rounded sort of perspective on stuff. And I, I think it really adds some fun to it. I think you it need, takes you need something subversive with all these guys that are golden age characters and well, uh, you've got or silver age characters. Well, well it's funny man's golden age too, but yeah, go on. The, yeah. the dark, the Dark Knight Returns is 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 uh, it's it's responsible for making everything so grim, and and it turns out that after a little time, what you needed was to dial back that grimness and have a little bit of the things that made. DC wonderful and I actually think that this brings some of that in and and what what's occurring to me as we're talking about it and as you keep referring to this isn't going to happen in the ongoings I think one of the reasons that I enjoy this is I like this more than the ongoings well, well mean, I, I like, know but like like I mean overall of a, or just right yes. now well right now I mean like this like more well, over right the last now, sure, two right. years <laughs> it, over the last year two years of DC comics this feels more like DC comics to me this okay. feels like it has more of that <clears throat> that taste of the odd from the from the fifties and sixties, you know, but but sort of done with a you know no holds barred sort of sort of way about them. Like it's got a, it's got more of that flavor. Okay, it, it's got more of that that wackiness, uh, and it, it's it's got personality, mm. and that's well, that's okay. What well, we're talking about sort of like in a, in like a broad sense, but like if if we want to break down into maybe the three issues. What you know? What certain sections of this really appealed to you? What you know? Different conflicts or combinations. What what was it that this time really stuck out to you? As this is fun. This is a great idea. Uh, well, for me, I, I mean, like the I I really like the Superman Batman relationship that that got poisoned somewhere along the way, and 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 I liked it all the way through Dark Knight Returns, and I, I like it into this. Uh. You know, he he beats Superman psychologically, you know, physically also, but it has more to do with psychological. And and I just think that it, it's like this thing that's, that makes people feel something. I don't know if it's necessarily true. Could Batman beat Superman? Well, no, it doesn't really make sense, but it's just that thing that we all believe. And this is just a way to explore how it is that he did it. And I just, I, I really enjoy reading that part of it. And the, the Superman's journey throughout the whole thing is I find really interesting to me. I like, I love when his chest symbol changes back to the Golden Age one. Mm. I think that's just a great non, like it's, it's, it's not right in your face, but it's a reminder. It's just like when Super, when Batman's changed in, in the original, uh, you know, Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. And he goes to that. And it's just this little sort of symbol that, that happens that, that something's changed and something is different and it, it makes you think of a different time. Um, I, I think that he, I, I think that he applied logic to what would actually happen with these characters and, and, and adjusted their power levels accordingly. Green Lantern, you know, is, and it, this is the same, this kind of happened in Kingdom Come too, is that, you know, after he's had that ring for a really long time, he'd be pretty damn near omnipotent. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like his characterization of Wonder Woman. I think that she's got that. That Amazon thing that I think Darwin Cook also did really well. Yes, we don't see Nathan a lot. Too. Yeah, that that sort of she's she really is holding her own with all of them, and she does have a level of sexuality about her that's always been part of the character from its inception. And it you know it makes sense that her and Superman are, are you know have a have a thing going on. Uh, 
like those are the kind of things that I really enjoy. I really enjoy the characters. Um, so it's hard for me to say to pinpoint a, a certain thing. I mean, I think the 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 Robin as Joker thing uh, doesn't really work. It doesn't make sense. And it's, it's a bit cuckoo like, for Cocoa Puffs from from uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. The other the other thing also with the Robin thing is that I think um, you're not you don't have as, as like as much of a an affection for the the animated stuff the you know batman the animated series and then moving into the the movies and jlu and stuff like that i i I will tell you that i i didn't watch all that but i did watch the animated series for a while and i still think that batman the animated series has as a whole overall hands down the best characterizations of of most of these characters of anything okay and that 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 continues on through into you know justice league unlimited just you know and then like the what i'm specifically thinking of is the um is the Batman Beyond movie, The Return of the Joker, which does some other interesting mm-hmm. things with the toxic relationship between the Robins and, and they're playing with with uh with Tim Drake there. Um not uh, Dick Grayson, but um they they play with some and and there's some parallels with in it involves the Joker as well. Um so at, because in this we think that there's something that looks like the Joker but it's impervious to pain and it can't be destroyed. And, and then we find out that Dick Grayson can, he can change shapes and uh, it's really out there. And it's, it's an interest, it, you know, it's an interesting thread to say like, you know, something soured between, you know, between Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson. And that's why he stopped being Robin and their new Robins since then. Um, But this maybe isn't, the 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 best crescendo to that story it was a weird add-on because yeah the climax of the story had just happened with joker uh, not joker i'm sorry with luther and uh, brainiac and that seemed to be where the thrust of the story was heading and in the last yeah like dozen pages or so we're dealing with that fallout that was in the background the whole time it was definitely it didn't come out of nowhere but it definitely um didn't feel like that should be um, uh, the thing that the whole thing is, yeah, you're right, building to. And it doesn't, um, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like the organic, you know, tension between those two characters that has been explored in other, you know, media. And then it, but it, it feels sort of just like the Mad Magazine version of. Yeah. You could have taken that storyline out of this; it wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah, right. I think that's, you know, that's but, my it's, but it is in there. Oh, I know, and it doesn't. It doesn't need to be. Yeah, I will say this though: going back and uh, comparing this, reading this alongside, say, All Star Batman Robin, and seeing how Dick Grayson is treated in that book, uh, also by Frank Miller, uh, does give a little more perspective as to what Frank Miller deems that relationship to be like, and does explain a little more uh, why he wanted to explore the the aftermath of that relationship a little more, I guess. because uh, yeah, if you if you read All Star Batman Robin, yeah, um, yeah, and and, and yeah. it's sort of like I, I I you know I was talking about the 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 fantasy the wish fulfillment kind of thing with some of the characters like the Adam where I was like that's a really cool thing and it's like he always had that sort of in his back pocket and he was like I can do this Adam story and um you know use him for what he's worth because he's you know sort of been pushed to the sidelines like a lot um that that character in in you know um in the history of of DC but um there's also for you know uh, by the same token he has a lot of particular axes to grind that 
I don't necessarily understand or like I, I'm coming from a completely different angle than he is. And so like I don't understand like I don't know what like what is the whole big thing with with, you know, with Bruce and, and Dick, you know, hating each other. And uh, it's it's played with much more nuance in other places. So um, but he seems to have this real fixation on it between that and and, you know, what, what, what Jeff was talking about. So. Uh, Jeff. I'm curious, Jeff. I mean, you you've you've studied many of these characters to an in-depth <laughs> level. What do you think about some of these characterizations? Do you feel that there are there are certain characters who y- you enjoyed? And and I'll, let me let me just I let me just ask you haven't really said like what are the differences between what you think about it now as opposed to when you read it uh, previously? Well, um, I think that then and now, I know I reacted um, strongly negatively to the um, character designs. I think I, it just didn't um, sit well with my um, preferred aesthetic. I think um, what so. Would that I, be? Well, I, I, I I'm just up, like like who are your no. favorite? What's your favorite Superman? If you were to, if you were to say to you like what's what's your the Superman you see when you close your eyes? I know it's going to be uh, Dan Jurgens probably um, the guys Christ. who. I know. <laughs> working in the early 90s. I know that's about as opposite as you can get from this stuff. But uh, the Kurt Swan, the clean line Superman, like the Kurt Swan Superman, the uh, Jerry Ordway, the, the guys who I was reading as a kid because um, uh, I was around when Death of Superman happened. And uh, that was when I started reading uh, comics as a, as a big thing. Um, and so that's kind of the default for me. And I, and I don't totally understand and get other people's renditions of it. And it's uh, more... Uh, palatable for others but just the, the look it was hard for me to get into um it's interesting. the character designs I, I, I look at it this way a little bit if i went up to frank miller at a convention and asked for him to give me a sketch of superman and the sketch of superman he gave me looked like the one that i got in this i'd be like that's the greatest sketch i've ever seen <laughs> and, I, and i kind of am applying that aesthetic to the whole thing yeah like uh, it's just it's this is this is we used to do these this, these sketches when i was in school when i would be in art classes and you'd look at like whatever the subject was, and we had to draw them without looking at the paper. Right. You sort of let your yeah. pencil go along, and mm-hmm. you—that's what this feels like to me. And and a lot of times it come out better than you think, but it isn't tr- true to life in that sense necessarily. It was it was, uh, and, and I tend to look at. I'm I'm I'm, I, I find myself over and over giving Frank Miller a lot of leeway in in the sense of we think of him as a genius, and I'm trying to figure out why. So I'm trying to find the things that I can enjoy about this. And an older, more knowledgeable comic reader that I am now, I'm finding more to like about it as I go through it. There are there are definitely issues, but I sort of I sort of let it get past it. Anyway, I'm sorry. You, I, I we can cut you back. So uh, no, don't you, the the aesthetic version. Was there any of the aesthetics that you that you did like, or did you just um, not like Frank Miller? I think it might just come down to Frank Miller, honestly. Um, I, I did enjoy uh, what he did with the characters, as, as you guys said. The Adam was particularly a great use of that character. Um, I didn't like that he sometimes would bring characters in just to shit on them, like Hawk and Dove come in yeah. for literally one panel, and he just made fun of the whole concept of Hawk and Dove, and then did nothing with them. Is there that was a little strange. Hawk and Dove that's not, I've never found anything about them that made me care about them, so... Yeah. But then why use them? You know, yeah, like just, it, it, maybe. Like it, it felt, it felt there, like a weird picking on them for no reason, and in that one panel, it just it was a throwaway joke, uh, and then that was I mean, there. It wasn't, and, it wasn't great. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's sort of like an, it, it it sort of starts spiraling for me. I mean, well, I I didn't like issue one, but like in issue two, like it like in terms of the art and just sort of the haphazard 
um, introduction of characters that that's that's where it, it's it really sort of you know that's the epicenter of it for me and then the and definitely the hawk and dove cameo was was something and he he i mean he even brings up uh mad magazine and yeah, alfred e newman yeah, just, yeah and like that that's sort of you know you know that, that that was the kernel of it for me that like he's doing these things that would be mad magazine covers or like little like like one panel gags and i was like i don't know like why why are you doing that and i don't think that but that, i think that that was that was contained to a certain extent in the in the first book you know that there would be those pages of talking heads and things like that and and sort of just touchstones wait in dark Knight returns yeah, you're talking I mean, about. Well, no, I mean, but, like they cut to they had the, the you know like Letterman show. I know that they were I know actually the Joker showed funny up though, and well, that's subjective. <sighs> yes, I'm not saying that that little Hawk and gag, Hawk and Dub gag was funny or not, because it wasn't. I don't really care, but it didn't affect me one way or another. It was just sort of like I feel like one of the things was it was very frenetic. I feel like he was throwing a lot of things at the paper. Okay, in in Dark Knight Returns, that feels like that's world building to me. That's 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 um, those talking heads coming at you from all angles are giving you this full portrait of what culture was like at that time, and then what media is like, and and the bombardment of that. With this, it's non sequiturs. Um, I don't, it didn't feel cohesive to me and the bombardment was, it was, it did that, it it didn't feel like that was his An argument could be made that that's what media feels like now. If you were in Frank Miller's shoes. Okay. And everybody is talking in nonsense words and being idiotic over and over again and things are sexualized for no reason. I mean, it's not far from, from Kardashian tweets to me. And I know that that wasn't a thing that existed at the time, but it's a thing that exists now. And if you're projecting forward, it's it's not it's not to me an altogether unfamiliar feeling of pop culture, and it's possible deleterious effects on our subconscious. I got you. I think I th- I think though that Dark Knight Returns is the right balance of that, where it's yeah. it 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 feels like that, and you get the same sensation, but then it also isn't a chore to read. Okay. Um, no, it's not. And I gotta say it because I have the absolute edition. I'm flipping through Dark Knight Returns right now. I'm like, good Christ, this thing is just undeniably gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it's not even a contest. Those I mean, two, like, there's like pop colors. art sense. Yeah. There's pop art sensibilities to the second one that I really like. I like that it's chunky, like it is. I, I like the way, but the panel design and storytelling and the way that it, the first one's drawn is just magnificent. Yeah, and I'll I'll grant you the the pop art thing about the second one, but um, there there are just some undeniably just crude looking. Yeah, a lot of the the a lot of those uh, pop culture side gag kind of things really look awful. Yes, they do. Uh, that's that's, that's it, it. You know, it looks like the political cartoon in your you know college newspaper where it's you know like. Um, I guess your your college may vary. I went to Drexel University. The political <laughs> cartoons look like garbage. Um. Anyways, we, did, we didn't. We didn't even have political cartoons. It was not a. Not or a it was. Or I don't even. It was like you know whatever their 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 cartoon strips were. Um, I, I, come, I, I do, go ahead. I was gonna say when it comes to the pop art thing. Um, the I don't know if the what edition or how you guys are reading your your editions or your your book, but I have the original issues here. Um, 
and the third issue cover uh, is pretty striking. It's uh, it's Batman in uh, blacks, reds, and blues, um, and that is a piece of uh, as, as a standalone image. I think it's wonderful, but I, I just can't get into it when it's like a story told in that kind of manner. It, it I, doesn't. I, yeah, I'm looking at it. I think that I, if you look at how much he did, I mean, it, this is a very, it's a very difference between the very sort of younger man doing the first book and the and the older man, and there's. There's no doubt a degree of jadedness, you know, that's that's taking place. But there's also a degree of he's stripped his art down to a a, a hugely different version of what it used to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's pretty that's pretty rough to deal with when you're expecting one thing. But that's what I see now with my perspective is that he said, well, well I want to strip it down as much as possible, you know, to the to the extent of you know the first one you've got. You know, average pages would have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, 10, 12, 13, 14 panels. You know, this one stretched to get to four panels on most pages. Like, he just took it right down to its minimum. Um, which, to me, there's something to be said for that. But it's, And that, uh, that, go back to the end of, again, of it again real quick. That was also very jarring at the end when the um, Joker Dick Grayson comes along and we have – what is this? Four by five panels per page. Twenty panels per page. Um, in the in the last sequence, there, uh, that was very strange to go from yeah two panels to a page in the pre- uh, previous couple pages to twenty there. Um, He's running out of room. That's yeah. That's exactly. He's trying to jam. <laughs> trying to jam that that last little coda on there <laughs> in the yeah. in the pages he has left. <laughs> I think that's all that happened there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It, you know what it is. I th- it, it sometimes it even within the issues it comes down to se- a sequence by sequence thing, like the death of uh, Captain Marvel um, and Superman going through the ruins of you know of the Earth with his with his daughter and and then looking over the planet like there's that's that's the the textural stuff that I was talking about earlier that I kind of liked and so there's a the crudeness to it the some of the rudimentary art like it feels I just, I just saw a really basic level lens flare in the last issue yeah and there's <laughs> so the, it's like sometimes it's it's there's he's on to something like there's something primal about it. it's like cave painting or something and it's really so it's this visceral thing but then but then like the you know the uh, op art kind of stuff happens and they're messing with gradients and like like 3d rendering stuff and it's just completely ugly to look at and you just you, you look at it and you know this isn't hand drawn this is this is wrong this is from another dimension i wonder i wonder if to a certain extent this color was done this way on purpose like if it if it really You're was being supposed to be so nice <laughs> i no i i i'm i just i want to understand because i i the thing is i know that he's fallen from grace to a certain extent but the man the man's a genius, and, and I was no doubt able it's, – it's a flawed work. You know, I'm not saying this is great and you guys are missing it. I'm saying there really are things to appreciate and enjoy about it, and I've, I could find a great deal of them, and I think there's a lot of failed experiments to it. And I – like they must have known when they were looking at it, this is really fucking ugly. But they were trying to find a reason for it to be ugly. I, I'm, I, I'm not trying to find an excuse for it to look this way. I'm trying to find to see if there was logic behind it. Or if they were all just sort of going, no, no, it, it's fine. It's it's fine. It'll have to be fine. It's a very interesting project. Um, 
see me after class. <laughs> yeah, there is a bit of a, you know, macaroni collage thing to this. We're like, that's <laughs> interesting um, that you did that. Thank you. Um, so I, I, I really well, uh, I don't know what else to say about this. Jeff, what did what did what did you like? Um, well, I mean, I, I did if it's enjoy nothing. It. That's OK. Yeah. I, it, it, yeah, some of the uses of the characters, like I know this before the Adam and stuff, but it was, it was tough to find that for me. I don't know. I was I was really focusing on the flaws as I worked through. Unfortunately, I wasn't uh, I wasn't really enjoying it for the most part. I don't know. Have you ever read any Frank Miller that you've liked? I didn't really like Dark Knight Returns either. Um, oh, it's not honestly. Just me. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. I just, it's, it's not what effect. I'm looking for in a Batman. Yeah. Story. Um, there's not, uh, there's not much that he's done that I've, that I've personally enjoyed. Um, you ever read 300? I, ooh, I don't, I think I did actually, but that was a while ago. Um, 300 is my favorite Frank Miller. 300 is good. Okay. It's just from an artistic standpoint alone. It's, uh, yeah. Coming back into I comics, I was really big into Sin City, like the early, like the early stuff. I know, see, I never got into Sin City all that much. I've, I've read it and I, I appreciate it, but uh, it was, it was, a, it was never my thing because it, mm-hmm. it's. It's that that noir stuff that sort of has no depth. Mm. I think I, I know I own the first two trades of Sin City. I know I enjoyed those and the film, but uh, I never felt any desire to go beyond just those first two trades. So I guess I can't say I. Well, you don't want to. You don't want to venture too far. No. Um, <laughs> okay. Or this happens. Um, I kind I kind of like Frank Miller <laughs> a lot in black and white. Yeah. Um, color seems to be a problem sometimes. But then, as you said, with Dark Knight Returns, it can also be a boon to the book. Mm-hmm. Um, colored pencils or watercolors, whatever it was she did those with, those were... It's the same person! Yeah, that That's, is crazy. Is it... When you come to... Is it really? <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you guys think about where um, Dark Knight Strikes Back leaves Superman um, uh, as a character? What do you think about uh, that change that uh, Superman undergoes in that miniseries? Well, it's like, I don't, (laughs) anyone, I mean, all, I don't know if at the end of it, you necessarily would see him as a bad guy, but any bad guy starts off thinking that they're the good guy and then they get more and more power until they are end up as, as the bad guy. And so if if you think about it that way, it's not that far fetched. Mm-hmm. If you if you accept the fact that maybe the idea that no matter what happens, Superman will always do the good thing may not be true or at least is subjective. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think it's it's a possibility. I think it's worthwhile to look at Superman and, and his that. I mean, one of the big things in this book um, is his fixation on his his legacy um, because he's always thought of himself as the last son of Krypton and now he's not. Mm-hmm. And then, and you know, there's, and there's always been like, it's sort of like been his, like his cross to bear is Kandor. Like he's got the, like, so he, he thought he was the last son of Krypton, but then he found out at some point that there was this whole, you know, Kryptonian civilization inside this bottle that this crazy person was traveling around with in a spaceship. And then he got a hold of it. And then it's always been like his, his big science project that's on the back burner. I got to it's 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 like uh it's like Josh and Toby trying to get, you know, free college education or whatever in the West Wing and it keeps, you know, coming back We're like maybe we could do it, maybe we could do it now, maybe we could but it keeps getting pushed back and getting Candor back to being full size and that that's sort of been his cross and 
now with that settled in a way um he's got his daughter and it's thinking forward for the legacy of of krypton and that's that's kind of, that that's interesting to me as someone interested in there's the also there's also the lowest factor you could mm-hmm. always say that the thing that actually kept him tied down to Earth, the thing that, you know, was his anchor, was Lois. And then, so if she's not in the picture anymore, and she's dead, and the person that he has a relationship with, although it's a strange relationship, which I like, is Wonder Woman, who's not, strictly speaking, like a human, uh, then, then he, would be, he could become unmoored. And I think that that's in here. I think that that's part of this. I think yeah. that without yeah, Lois, no. then that you know she's his anchor uh, to to Earth in that way. Um, so at least it's it's an explanation for it. I just mm-hmm. uh, if you if you want to think of this as the end of the Batman story, God no. But if you want to think of it as an end of the Batman story, end to DC, you know these characters, right? You know, sure, why not? You know. And with like with with myths like this with mythology, I like end endings. I, I like I'd like having possibilities. You should never have the ending. You should never have the not ending. with these that's, guys. That sounds right. awful to me. That sounds extremely unattractive. I tell you my favorite panel in the entire book. Hmm. Uh, it's it comes in the scene uh, after uh, Luther has been punching a really smug Batman over and over again. Yeah. Uh, and then the Green Lantern shows up, and you see that he's bigger than Earth. You cut. You cut back to. Uh, you cut back to Barry and Bruce, and for some reason, Bruce has a cup of tea in a saucer, <laughs> which is which is nested between his giant thumb and forefinger. And Barry is behind him reading what I assume is a TV guide, and he has reading glasses. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just before the Thanagarian breaks in, and at that point, I, I'm like, "Fuck it, Frank's just like fuck it." Yeah, that's Bat- just, that's Batman's just... like crossing his legs. Oh, it's just... it's it's wonderful, and it really it's a it it I, there's a thing about it. There's a thumb to the nose of DC puritanicalism <laughs> that I really like. <laughs> I can't I can't deny, uh, you know that that thing that makes people that that thing that makes people mad about Superior Spider-Man, <laughs> and I like when people stick their thumb in that wound, and that's what this is to me. And I think that's a thing, and I've. I've really grown to hate that over the years. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe it makes me want to like it more. Uh, and that's a, that panel to me is a perfect expression of that. <laughs> I like I like the reverse too. I like I like the huge, you know, Hal Jordan, and like that sort of like angelic, but demonic kind of pose too. Yeah, um, and his junk. Um, <laughs> well, you saw that earlier. Prominent. It's it's yeah, cold in space. Alien. It's also in the alien sequence. Um, I think you can see a bit of his junk there too in the very beginning of that issue, which is uh, <laughs> off-putting. DC history is on on Hal Jordan's cosmic junk. <laughs> um, I'm writing that down. Uh, it's getting scheduled. Okay. Don't actually. Yeah. What? Hmm? We'll have. We'll <laughs> talk about it. Oh, okay. I I, f- I find it difficult uh, to find a way to conclude. Um. Uh, this was. Neat. No, I'm you regret, glad you regret you regret having read it. <laughs> Leading it, launching into this conversation, I was I was actually going to say something like, "Why did you do this to me? Why did why couldn't you just <laughs> leave like leave well enough alone?" Because I probably wouldn't have read it if someone hadn't asked me to read it or suggest that I read it. 
Now I went along with it. I said, you know, so I, I you said it might be interesting to talk about this, and I was thinking, okay, well, you're interested in it, so th there must be something going on there, and there, there is. There's there, there are some interesting things happening, some some novel ideas, um, and flawed experiments are always kind of fascinating. Like that, um, it's like that first Hulk movie. Yeah, there's some. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's that that's. It's more than just like get a bunch of your friends together and get drunk and watch that crazy movie and and skip to the Nick Nolte parts. Um, yes, there's 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 a little bit more to it. Not a lot, but a little bit more. <laughs> um, and that's. Imagine if Nick Nolte was in this. Um, <laughs> he might have been. I mean, yeah, I may have just cast him. He could have snuck but, in there. So Jeff, uh, monumental waste of time. <laughs> No, it's never a monumental waste of time to uh, <laughs> to read these kind of stories. I don't know. I uh, it it wasn't uh, for me, obviously, in, yeah. in the end. But uh, I think it was interesting to go back and read it again, and it was really interesting to to hear your take on it, Josh. I really did. Um, it did open more things up to me than I did when reading it myself. Um, but it's still not going to be one I go back to ever. Uh, I can it's, say it's that it's not. It's not a. It's not a Batman story per se. Yeah. I just I feel like this I feel like it says a lot about the artist and yeah. the time more than it says about the character whereas I think The Dark Knight Returns says a lot about the character. Usually when you say that a work is intensely personal, it's like in a small intimate kind of story, but this is like a really personal story that is expansive and Fantastic. Looney Tunes and uh yeah. So that yeah. I mean that's something you don't you don't get to see that kind of thing. So I used to regret. I used to be upset that I had to get the absolute dark knight and that this was in it. <laughs> and I I think there's a value in having it in it now. I I think the contrast as, of the as two, history or as, as a part of comic book history, I think okay. it's incredibly important. Mm -hmm. uh, it really does signal. It's almost like, you know, like there's a turning point is 1986. And, and if you think about it, the two guys, Alan Moore and, and Frank Miller, who most changed comics for the period that, that, that we know that we've been involved with to have them both go off the rails to that extent Mm. It's really interesting. Is the question in this like is that a whole is that an Alan Moore Rorschach thing or is that just the question being the question because I know like the, the question, question was uh created by Steve Ditko who is um a staunch uh Ayn Rand uh objectivist. And so he was uh, it was part of the character. And yeah, I don't there's I don't, sort of a chicken and the egg thing with this because this happens, you know, I think like, like I think the question the question predates you know Rorschach, obviously, but then this comes after Rorschach, and there's mm -hmm. a little I, I, I don't. I think it has more to do with with Ditko and with the work that Ditko okay. did. He went and did other stuff. I don't. I don't know that stuff exactly, but I feel like I don't feel like Miller. I don't feel like Miller would refer to that. I think that that's that's outside of the scope of what he's looking at. Because you know, you always sort of wonder when the people are talking about you know what's the best comic book ever, like. Is there is there to to an extent are like Frank Miller and Alan Moore like you know the, the Paul and the John of 
comics and do they have any kind of resentment and does that happen in their work? Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like those two guys really didn't affect each other all that much mm-hmm. other than that yeah. they were both making it – other they were both creating a climate with which one another could, could have an, an easier time. I don't feel a lot of similarities in their work. People, people refer to them both as being grim and dark, whatever those meaningless words mean now. But I don't, I don't stylistically, I don't, I don't find them to be very similar at all. Um, so no, to a certain extent, it's almost like uh, I was trying to think. It, they, they wouldn't have been. They're not Paul and John because they wouldn't have been. They were not in the same band, even though they're both playing the same instruments. Although Miller's an artist, whereas, whereas Moore isn't. I don't know. I, I I know that they're sort of part of the same class, but I'd never, I never think of them in the same. They're doing the same thing. I think I have a favorite panel, or like a fa- I have a favorite two-page spread here. I like I like the Green Arrow's arrow going through the Joker head, <laughs> and I like Plastic Man as an egg beater toilet, <laughs> and as a toilet. Is the toilet meat grinder? Toilet meat grinder, yeah. Oh, how great was that? There's like a Escher thing going on with all the perspective on that. Jeff Green Arrow was great in this. You got to give me that. No, yes, I definitely do agree with that. Yes, uh, but I have a I question like, about a yeah. panel real quick. Was Frank Miller just flat out drawing Wildcat at the end instead of Batman? I had, that, just... I had that feeling too. It looks a lot like Wildcat because it's, 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 it's the ears. It's the broken ears. You know, it's the ears, and but then also Wildcat's a boxer and he's and he's beat up a lot. He's scruffy. And and that's, what, that's what Batman is in this. Scrappy yeah. is what he is. I, I mean, my, yeah. I think he combines some of the. Uh, if I really, I love the fact that that Batman is is that sort of bald Lawrence Tierney character at the end. He's just he's just sort of he's grizzled, and it's it's it, at a certain point I started thinking to myself, I was like, you know, if Batman stopped being Bruce Wayne, which is what this guy is, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have hair. He'd shave it off. It's a liability. <laughs> he would. Yeah, you know, like it, and that, that's that's it's another it's another one of those logical extensions. Like, there's no there's, if he's not going to be Bruce Wayne, then everything changes. He doesn't give a shit what he looks like. He's all about the mission. Like, you know, that's why he lets you know he can let Lex Luthor pummel the shit out of his face because he doesn't care because he knows he's going to win. It's not he, he doesn't feel pain. He has no vanity about it. And and if that that it's funny because at that point once he's let go of Bruce Wayne, he's actually Bruce is actually having fun at the end of this. Like he's really enjoying himself from a certain point on when he knows he's got this one. And, and it's funny that Miller is the guy, I don't know if he created, but he certainly helped forward the idea of that Batman who's super grim and that Batman we saw through the 90s and through the early 2000s who never smiled and no one in the jail liked him. And they were all afraid of him. Like in this one, he's like, let's have a little fun. He's got a little bit of A-Team Hannibal about him. He's got his plan. He's having so much fun he's drinking tea. Why is he drinking tea from a comically small? Who brought it? Did the Flash bring him tea? Because it's yes, Looney Tunes. Well, yeah, because it's Looney Tunes. That's what it is. Yeah, I love, I love that. I mean, I, I think, I think it's, it's, it's really one of those things. Like once you let it go and you have fun with it, and not all comic books are supposed to have the same effect, then there, are, there are definitely things that are fun about it. Okay, so would you say this, is, I, I this could, is your favorite comic book? Is what you're saying? No, I could. I mean, the thing is, like now, it's I kind of want to go back and read. Book. I kind of want to go back and read All Star uh, Batman again because I hated it, and I think that I've changed a lot since even then. It was drawn by Jim Lee, though. I, I don't. I don't know if this is an evolution. No. Like I don't know if this is like progress. This no, might be... no. I don't think that's no. It's not. It's it's it's. I agree with you. It's not like that. S- you've 
cause something bad to happen because like now like I could I like before I could just dismiss this because everyone told me to dis- dismiss it and I had no great desire to read it but now it's like this new unresolved thing in my life because I have complicated feelings about it I think that's the best and damn you <laughs> <laughs> um so I think I think that's it for our discussion yeah I think that's good of uh, the Dark Knight Strikes again, so thank you, Josh and Jeff, for for joining me. Um, next time around, we're going to talk about something that doesn't have superheroes in it. I don't know what it is yet. Planet we'll let Hulk. you know. This we had to challenge you, right? So <laughs> Sin City. I'm pretty sure it's not going to be Frank Miller. There's a lot of comics out there, so we're going to keep it a little bit a little bit diverse. And and uh, but if you have any recommendations, you can send those along to uh, Paul at ifanboy.com would probably be the best place. Um, and if you want to tell Josh why he's wrong or that you oh, agree with him, um, Josh at ifanboy.com. And uh, if you have just any general questions, you can send those to contact at ifanboy.com. And remember to check out our weekly pick of the week podcast um, at ifanboy.com. So uh, thanks, guys. And until next time, I'm Paul. I'm Jeff. And uh, I'm apologizing to maybe 80% of you, and the other 20% of you are with me. There's just like the standing apology that you It you really it is, it's, there's, there's, <laughs> I am, yeah, I go with that. I'm good. 